First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel, I'm sorry, First Samuel chapter 15. And if everybody could get a Bible today and read along, we're going to do a lot of reading. And I'm going to read probably as fast as anybody has ever read from the pulpit. So I want you to be able to follow along. We're going to cover seven or eight chapters. We're not going to dilly-dally. We're going to move through this material because I really want you to see where this ends up. And this is the most anticlimactic story there is. There's all this lead up to nothing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start in First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 15. Yep, we're going to do the whole Goliath thing. Yep, we're going to do that. Amen. But it's going to be the shortest version of Goliath and David you've ever heard. Because that's not the point. We're going to get through that, but it's part of the story. Let's pray. Lord, as we go through your word today, Lord, just just guide me through this the way you want this done. And... uh, let, let these words um, be yours today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First Samuel chapter, first Samuel. First Samuel, chapter 15. I'll just say it. First Samuel, chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. I would appreciate if you get it out and follow along, if you can. Um, there's two or three stories in the Bible that I really, really like. And this is one of them. Okay? And rather than get to the end and spend forever talking about the end, I thought, let's go through where, where David came from and his struggles and his stuff and his things, and let's get to a very anticlimactic portion of what he had to go through and stop there on the anticlimax. That's what we're going to do. So, chapter 15. <clears throat> Samuel, by the way, is the high priest at the time in Israel. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over the people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. This is the point at which Sam, I'm sorry, that Saul became king. Samuel anointed Saul as king. First Samuel chapter, first Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. Saul is king. Verse 28, I'd love to read starting 24, but we're not for a sake of time. Verse 28, and Samuel said unto him, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Saul's king on verse one, he's busted on verse 28. Chapter 16. Verse 1, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? You see, Samuel anointed Saul king, and mm, things didn't go well, and Samuel feels a little responsible, and the Lord says unto Samuel, uh, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Okay, let's just read fast. <clears throat> uh, seeing I have rejected him from Israel. Fill thine horn with oil and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided, provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I'm come to sacrifice unto the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint me him who I name unto thee. 
And Samuel did which the Lord spake and became to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Come thou peaceably. Samuel shows up in town and they're scared, right? And he said, Peaceably, I'm come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. So what happened? Samuel went over to Bethlehem. Or, yeah, went over to Bethlehem. And he ends up in this town and the elders come out to meet him and they're scared. And Samuel says, sanctify yourself. Come with me. We're going to go over to Jesse. He sanctified Jesse and his family. And here comes the big uh, event. This is where David gets anointed, right? And it came to pass when they came, he looked at, okay, that's sorry. Yeah, that's verse six. We know the story, right? Let's zip through this. We know the story of the anointing of David, but we're going to get down to it. First is Eliab, chapter, verse six. Nope. Verse eight. Then he called Abinadab. Nope. Verse nine. Jesse made Shema come pass by. Nope. And again, Jesse made the seven comes by. And, and again, verse 10, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen thee. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? He said, this is he would be Jesse, said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. How long does it take for you to send somebody out in the field to get somebody and bring them back? Are the sheep nearby? Probably not. Okay, so there's a bunch of people there. We know there's the elders of the city are there, right? We know that. I don't know how many there are. Do you want to guess? Nobody wants to guess. Okay, so there's a few. There's a few. Then there's eight, there's seven sons, right? And Jesse, that makes eight. And Samuel. And a heifer. Do you think Samuel went by himself or did he take his associate chiefs? Or associate um, chiefs, or what's the word? Associate priests with him. Did he go by himself? I don't know. I don't know. But there's a dozen or 15 or 20, maybe moms there. Maybe his sisters are there. Maybe. Maybe there's some people gathering around. Maybe there's some servants. This is a public event. This wasn't private. A number of people knew this. So this wasn't private. That's important. It's public. This is known now. Gossip will travel. Samuel came out here, put oil in the youngster. Just so you know, that's what I saw. Okay. So that happened. Uh, and he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. That's where Samuel hangs. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit of the Lord troubled him. The Spirit of the Lord came on David at a period of time after that. Look at what he said. And the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, so that happened, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. You've heard me stand up here before and talk about careful and troubled many times, haven't you? Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. This trouble is anxiousness with fear, and we're going to see how fearful he is as we read on. So the, and Saul's servant said unto him, behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. How did his servants know that? I don't know. 
The, let the Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is cunning player of the harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he will play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of his servants and said, Behold, I've seen... Behold, I know a guy. Um, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that he is cunning and playing, and read this with me, and a mighty, valiant man, a man of war, prudent in manners and comely person, and Lord, and the Lord is with him. Why is that important? So Saul sent, I'll get there in a second. So Saul sent the messenger to Jesse and said, send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse, David's dad, took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent him them by David his son unto Saul. Why is it important that we said a mighty, valiant man, a man of war and prudent in his manners? A servant is selling this idea to Saul, correct? Saul doesn't know who this guy is. The servant knows a guy. And the servant says, I know a guy, and he's a mighty, valiant man, and he is cunning and playing, and a man of war. Turn back a couple of chapters. I want to show you how valuable those words were to hear for Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 14, the last verse. 1 Samuel 14, the last verse of chapter 14. And there was a sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him in. So the servant knew that about Saul, and he sold that to Saul. And Saul said, I'll take that guy. I believe you. Bring him on. And he did. And then what happened? And Jesse took his, we did that. And David came to Saul with some bread and a bottle of wine and a goat. And so, and David, and David came unto Saul, verse 21, chapter 16, verse 16, verse 21. And David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him. And David loved Saul and he became his armor bearer. Do you know what an armor bearer is? Go over to chapter 14, just two chapters before when you get a chance, and read the story between Jonathan and his armor bearer. Armor bearer is a stud. We think of David as this little fifth grade boy in his moccasins, right? And his tank top, his beach towel. And he went out there and he says, I'll kill the Goliath because God is with me. And he's just this little wimpy kid that threw a rock and knocked him down. Yay! And they clapped. No. David was a man. And the idea that we sell this to our kids, that David is a child and he beat Goliath, is false. He's a man. He's Saul's armor bearer. Saul killed thousands of people with his own sword. He's not going to take a fifth grader and stick him in some armor and say, you're going to protect me. That's not David. And if you have that picture of David in your mind, may I suggest you put a new one in. Verse 21, and Saul said to Jesse, so Jesse was there at the handoff. Jesse had the goat and the bread and the wine. And Jesse, and Saul, no, I'm sorry, that's different. That was a different part of that story. And Saul sent 
to Jesse because he wasn't there saying, let David, I pray thee stand before me for he hath found favor in my eyes. Man, what to hear that. Can you imagine the king sending that back about your boy? Can you imagine that? And it came to pass that when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. And Saul was refreshed and well, and the evil spirit departed from him. That's how David gets to the palace, the king's place, his house, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, Saul's castle, whoever it is, whatever name you want to give it, I'll, I'll take it. Verse 17, this is the story of Goliath and David. This is the story. This is where it starts, okay? And we know the story. We've all heard it a hundred times. So I'm going to hit on the key points here because I want to get to chapter 23. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 9. And this is uh, Goliath taunting. And he says, If ye be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. That was the throwdown. That's what Goliath was shouting. One-on-one, send me your best dude, we'll handle it one-on-one. If I win, you serve us. If he wins, we serve you. That was the, that was the gravity of this battle. And Saul was there, and Saul heard it. And, when, and verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay, so in comes David. We get down to uh, verse 17. David was back and forth. Now David had gone back to feed the chief and Jesse in verse 17, chapter 17, verse 17. And Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephod of parched corn and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these 10 cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how the brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David rose up in the early morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went and Jesse had commanded him and he came to the trench where the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle in Israel. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came to saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came out the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when he saw him, fled from him and were so afraid. Verse 25 is where I wanted to get. And all the men and the men of Israel said, Have ye come? Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel, and he's come up. And he said, That the man, look at this, and the man, that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. So here's the deal. What do you get, David? Uh, well, you're going to get the girl. You're going to get the money, and you're going to be free. Your family's going to be free in Israel. Free in Israel means currently they are not free in Israel. I don't know what freedom and not freedom means in this time, but they're not free. They have some ownership by the king. The king owns them on some level. To what level, I don't know. But they're not free. This comes up later. That's why I'm saying it. You get the girl, you get the money, your family gets freedom. And then we know what happens, right? Um, 
Do I need anything else in here? I do. Uh, and Saul, verse 33, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go up against these Philistines to fight with them, for thou art but a youth and a man of war from his youth. And David said, Thou servant, keep his sheep, and went after him, caught him by the beard, verse 37. And David said to, to Saul, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with me, the Lord be with thee. You know what? The king of Israel, who has killed thousands of people, who is a violent and atrocious man, and you'll find out what he does. He is vile. At some point in this story, he starts walking around with a javelin and a spear, and every time they reference Saul, he's got this javelin and his spear in his hand. He's a psychopath, guys. He's not some fun, nice king. He's a psychopath. All right? And what does David say? And he says, go. And he says to David, go, and the Lord be with thee. This is Saul's armor bearer. And David is so compelling and his Lord is so with him that Saul is ready to put his kingdom on the line for one man's fight. Did Saul do that to a fifth grader with a sling? No way. No way did that happen. Saul armed David. We go through that story. Let's get down to the end where it's fun. Same chapter, chapter chapter 17. Uh, chapter 17, verse 54. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. That's verse 54. The big fight, David slung the rock, hit Goliath in the face. He fell down, not dead. How do we know that? Because the Bible says David took Goliath's sword. How ceremonial. Can you imagine thousands of people watching you do this? Take this guy's sword, not your own because you didn't have one. You take this guy's sword out and you slay him. I don't know what slaying is, but when you have a, a sword with a sharp knife and you cut another human somehow, that is slaying. And that's what he did. I don't know how many strokes he took, but after he slayed him, then he cut off his head. Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. That's tall. He couldn't stand here. He's giant. The Bible gives his description, go read it. And now David comes into town holding this guy's head. Man, is that a symbol of whatever it is? So he comes in. By the way, he gets rid of his own armor, but he put his armor in his tent. I don't know why that's in there, but it's in there for a reason. I just don't know why. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, this is how disconnected Saul was. Even though his life was on the line, his, te- his, his kingdom's on the line. And when David and Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, who's the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? Who, who's this David guy? Where did he come from? Did he even know this is the guy playing the harp? Is he so disconnected and a psychopath he can't even remember that? Who is the son of this youth? And Abner said, as thy soul liveth, uh, I don't know. O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this stripling is. And David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. Abner took him and brought him before before Saul 
with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Wow, that's powerful. And Saul said unto him, Who art, whose son art thou, this thou young man? And David answered, I am the son I am the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. The respect he had for his dad. Say that. Wow. In verse 18, this is the same conversation. There's no time gap here. And it came to pass when he had made an end of the speaking unto Saul. This is real time now. David says, I am the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. And had he made his end of the speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. This wasn't the first time that Jonathan and David met because that couldn't have happened in that amount of time. So Jonathan and David knew each other. John, David was hanging out playing the harp, right? And spent a bunch of time around the castle. Um... So he got to know him. And I don't know if it's because he espoused his dad in that moment that Jonathan became knit, but something happened in that moment that their souls were knit together. Let's read on. And Saul took him that day and wouldn't let him go no more to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his soul. And then Jonathan says this to, does this to David, which uh, Saul had three kids. Jonathan was the oldest. He had three, I'm sorry, five kids. He had three boys and two girls. That's over in chapter 14. Jonathan is heir to the throne and he knows it. Jonathan knows it. Jonathan has to have known about the anointing of David. He has to have known that. He gets to know him. Their souls are knit together. And then he does this. It's, it's, it's ceremonial and it's a big deal. And what does he do? And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even his sword, and to his bow and to his girdle. He just, he just went all in on David right there. He was all in. He knew that he wasn't going to be the king. He knew that David was anointed. He saw in front of thousands of people There is no way that you're going to go down there one-on-one and take down Goliath. The reason we know that is because no one else had already tried because they'd been doing it for a month. David's a man of men. He's not a fifth-grade boy in moccasins and a sling. So that happened. Verse 5, And David went whithersoever Saul sent him, and he behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of how many people? All of the people. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. This is another slaughter of the Philistines. This is subsequent to that, right? They slaughtered Philistines all the time. It's like, oh, it's April 13th. Let's go slaughter some more Philistines. I mean, it just goes over and over and over. This is what they did. I'm surprised. I don't know if they had any industry. I don't know what they did. It's this, if you read back in, 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 in this chapter, the couple more before, it talked about Saul being over 200,000 foot soldiers. 200,000 foot soldiers. It's a lot of folks, folks. This is what they did. It's appalling to me in 2023 to think this is how people lived 
But they did, and we know because it's right here. This is who David is. So after this particular slaughter, and there could have been more before this, because it clearly says that David says, and you'll find out here in a second, it came to pass as they came, and verse 6, chapter 18, verse 6, and when it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities in Israel singing and dancing to meet Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with musical and instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Okay? So they're singing back and forth to each other. And this is the, this is the lyrics of the song. And we'll know that over in a couple of chapters because the king of Achish knows the song. And Saul was very wroth. And saying, and this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? I don't know, but this might be King Saul's aha moment. Like, Oh, that whole spirit of the Lord leaving thing, and maybe that anointing they talked about, David. Maybe, maybe this is Saul's aha uh-huh moment. It could be. And Saul eyed David from that day forward. That's verse nine. And it came to pass on the morrow that an evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. By the way, prophesying in the midst of the house after an evil spirit came upon you. I don't know what that looks like, but we're going to see in a couple of chapters that is weird, and it gets really weird. I don't know what this is. I don't know what this looks like. I'm not going to pretend. But it happened. God came unto Saul and prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand and other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and it's like it never goes away. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Now, I, I want you to think about this, because later in the chapter, in a couple more chapters, we're going to see where Saul threw the javelin at his own son, Jonathan. Yeah. I'm not sure he threw it at David here. I think he threw it at a wall in anger, and David saw it, and he slipped away. He may have thrown it at David. I could be convinced otherwise. But when you see the account of him throwing it at Jonathan, it's different than the two accounts we see of him throwing it, or throwing it when David was in the picture. Verse 12, and Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Saul knew what it was like to have the hand of the Lord upon him, didn't he? Saul knew what that was like. And Saul knew when he was filled with an evil spirit, he knew that. And the people around him knew that so much so that they said, we got to do something about this. Do you know a guy that can play a harp? And they say, I know a guy. That's what happened. That's what happened. So Saul knows Saul's eyeing David. Saul's asked the question out loud. What's left for him but the kingdom? But, look in verse 14. Oh, no, I'm sorry, verse 13. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand, and he went out and came before the people. So this is another uh, 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 advancement in David's career, because over here he was made set over men of war, and here he was made captain over a thousand. That seems like another advancement. I don't know why. It could not be. It could be. I'd be convinced either way. But it appears to me this is another advancement. You hate this guy, and you're advancing him. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Verse 14, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore Saul sought that he behaved himself very wisely. He was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came before them. Okay. Now comes the payoff. 
What was, what was David supposed to get at the war? He was supposed to get the girl, supposed to get the money, supposed to get his house free in Israel. Here comes the first payoff. And Saul said to David, Behold, behold my elder daughter Mirab, Mirab, I'm sorry, her, her will I give thee to wife. This is verse 17, chapter 18, verse 17. Her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. Hang on, hang on. Wasn't he supposed to get the girl and the riches and the freedom for conquering David, Goliath? Yeah. That was the payoff. Ooh, seems to me this one comes with some strings, doesn't it? Look what he says. It says, "Let uh, her will I give to thee to wife, colon, only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. Yeah, you can have her, but you know what? I need something, something. David's pleased with this. He doesn't care. What does he say? It come, pleased comes up in a couple of verses when I get there. Let, then, then this, this sentence in this verse seems peculiarly located for me. And I know it's me and I know I'm wrong because it doesn't fit in my brain. So I know that I'm wrong. So I just want you to look at this and tell me if it fits here the way you think it is. For Saul said, I don't think he said it then. So he says to David, and Saul said to David, behold my daughter Mira, blah, blah, blah. For Saul said, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. I think that this is something that Saul had said, and it was put in here as a reminder for what's about to happen. I don't know that. But in a couple more verses, I think you'll see why I think that. And David said unto Saul, who am I? And what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be the son-in-law of the king? So Saul is be... Hooving, be granting, is, is giving this to David. He's giving him the girl. He's giving him what he said he was supposed to give. And David either says this out as a rhetorical statement. David says because he's just being very subdued and appropriate. And this is how you received a blessing from the king. Or David wasn't sure. But I think there's a little bit of all of that going on. Clearly, David doesn't understand the gravity of what is happening right now. And it will become evident a little further on. Think about this. Not too long ago, David was herding sheep. The last of the son. In this time, the sons kind of digress. This is the first one gets all of it. The second one gets half of what's left. And it just gets on. It just goes on down. David's at the end of the line. He's a nobody. Here comes the priest with oil. Really? Me? What am I doing? Okay. And he ends up at, he ends up at Saul's place playing the harp. Okay. And then this all happens. Let of God. This all happens. And now, now Saul's making good on what he said. But then something happens that's weird. Verse 19. But it came to pass at the time that Mirab, Saul's daughter, should be given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Meholathite, to wife. Why? I don't know. You can have Mirab. Okay. I don't deserve any of this. He accepts what's given. It comes time to... Dun, 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 dun. Ah, no. I gave him to another guy. Really? What does David say? He doesn't say anything. He doesn't complain. There's no evidence here that he was bent out of shape. Maybe he was, but it's not. we don't know about it. He doesn't say. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And why did it please him? Verse 21, and Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. 
Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of twain. Okay, sh- certainly that's a short timeline. I don't know what that means, but it's a short timeline. Saul gave him Michael because Michael and Saul had a thing and Saul could use Michael to destroy David with the Philistines. That's what Saul's thinking. Why? I don't know. And so now, remember, David's liked by everybody. Now Saul starts telling his servants, starts chirping in David's ear for him. He communed with David, verse 22, secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all thy servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. So David's like, what's going on here? Verse 23, And Saul's servants spake those words in David's ears, and David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing them a poor man and lightly esteemed? David doesn't grasp the gravity of what's going on here. It seems evident to me by just reading that, like, David, don't you guys... It's like he's looking around. Why is all of this happening to me? And his servants are chirping in ear, and he doesn't know who he can believe, and they're lying. I can read these guys' face. David's sharp. Okay. And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spoke David. So this is what David's telling us. And Saul said, Thou shalt be, thou, thus shalt thou say to David, The king desireth not any dowry. Okay. This is Mike's little thing from a couple of weeks ago, right? So apparently you had to buy women back then, because that's what a dowry is. I want to marry you, so I'll buy her away from you, pops. That's the cold version of a dowry. All right? So that's probably part of the reason why David thought, I can't pay for the king's daughter. I got nothing. I'm of low esteem and poor man, right? And they say, no, no, don't worry about the dowry. Uh, the king desireth not any dowry, but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send him out here to kill me a hundred Philistines and they'll kill him. Now, Saul was there when he killed the baddest, bad, bad dude of all the Philistines. So Saul's doesn't get it. The Lord's with him. He's fearful, 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 fearful. He puts him over all his armies. He elevates him to all his stuff. And he slaughters Philistines like he's shooting flies. And Saul, the psychopath Saul with a javelin in his hand, goes, okay. And so David arose and went out. Oh, by the way, no, it's funny. And, and verse 26, and when his servants told David these words, it pleased David. Oh, that's all you need? Done. So much so that wherefore David arose in verse 27 and, and slew 200 men and brought forth the Philistines and gave them to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, his wife. There it is. And Saul saw, and Saul saw and knew. So now before he knew, now he saw and knew. It's really coming on to Saul now. This is, this is coming. This is happening. That Michael loved him. Remember, they had to tell Saul that Michael loved David before. Now he saw it. Oh, this is real. She's in too. And Saul's probably getting some chirping ears. Jonathan's in. Saul's, so Jonathan's, Saul's oldest son and his daughter are all in on David. And he's starting to get the picture really clear. And Saul was yet the more afraid. Verse 28. So after they got married, and Saul's daughter loved him. Verse 28. Verse 29. Chapter 18. Verse 29. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David. 
And Saul became David's enemy continually. You can see this get worse and worse and worse. All right, now he lost his daughter. Jonathan's all in, and I'm sure Saul has got to be figuring something out because he's not stupid. And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. Okay, Philistines didn't work. Let's wipe him out. Chapter 19, verse 1, let's kill David. Okay? Um, But Saul, but Jonathan, Saul's son, verse 2, chapter 19, verse 2, but Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to hide thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. And I'll go talk to dad. I'll go talk to dad and we'll get it all ironed out. And verse six, and Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan and Saul awoke as the Lord liveth. Shall he not be slain? Oh, verse one, kill him. Verse six. Oh, he's cool. And and Jonathan called David and Jonathan showed him all those things that, that he just talked to Saul about. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in the presence as in past times. Is this a psychopath? So you got that javelin in his hand. He throws it at his own son. And there was a war again. Oh, go figure. There's another war. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. Okay. And an evil spirit came back to Saul, verse 9. Here it is in Saul as he sat in his house with a javelin in his hand. Is this, is this, a, is this a weird guy? Okay. And David played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with a javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall. So if we go in chronological order, it appears to me here that he didn't throw it at David. I could be convinced otherwise. Okay, so now he's mad again. So, right, verse 19, kill him. Verse 6, uh, he's okay. Verse 9, kill him again. And David fled, that, and Saul sought to smite on, okay, verse 11, and Saul sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and, call, and slay him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, hey, buddy, uh, you better get out of here, saying, if thou not save thy life tonight, tomorrow thou wilt be slain. Okay. So it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. Do you think this is where Disney came up with Rapunzel? Tyrone. <laughs> And Michael took an image and laid it on his bed and put a pillow of goat's hair on bolster and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers out to take David, he said, she is sick. Okay, this is great. David's out. He took off, right? Now they come over to Michael's house. They come over to David and Michael's house. They get over there. And 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 the first messengers come in and say, we're, we're here to get David. Uh, he's sick. Okay. They go back to Saul's place. Saul sends some more out. And what does he say? He says, uh, he's sick, uh, go, go get him out of there, go bring him in his bed back. So that's what he said. And Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may slay him. And when the messengers were come in, behold, come on, come on. Are these messengers stupid or are they just going, I'm not looking at this, just bring him up here, this is what he told us to do. They're going to kill me. You can just imagine, you got a psychopath for a boss. What do you do? Now his daughter's playing him. Guys, I don't know. Let's just go. Okay, let's just all do this together. Maybe we'll be cool. I can't imagine what that was like. And the messengers were come in. Behold, there was an image in the bed and the pillow of goat's hair. And Saul said unto Michael, Why hast thou deceived me so? And sent away my enemy that he has escaped. And Michael lied to Saul. Michael answered Saul and said unto him, And Michael answered Saul, comma, He, David, said unto me, Let me go. Why should I kill thee? 
I don't know what that means. I think I know what it means. I think he told, she told Saul that let me go or he's going to kill me. That's what I think it means. I don't know if it means that. I just know that Michael lied to Saul. So whatever she said there, whatever it means, Michael lied to Saul. So David fled and escaped up to Samuel at Ramah. Remember? Samuel anointed him, went back up to Ramah. That's where Samuel lives. So he's up at Ramah. So he comes up to Ramah to hide. And he and Samuel went, dwelt in Naioth. Naioth is a place inside Ramah. And it was told Saul, saying that, Behold, David's in Naioth and Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to David. Okay. Samuel's the priest. David goes up there. Because he does, that's where he went. And Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, so the messengers show up, the the prophets are prophesying, and Samuel, standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Get this picture. Samuel's up there with some prophets prophesying. I don't know what that looks like, but paint that picture in your mind, right? Samuel is over them, appointed over them. They're prophesying. I don't know what that looks like. But here comes Saul's messengers up, and what happens? The messengers start prophesying. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how many messengers there were, but there's a few. Because it's more than one, it's plural. Okay, and when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers. I don't want to drill down on this, even though it's funny, but it's really funny. So messengers number two, guess what? And they prophesied likewise, and Saul sent messengers in verse 21, and Saul sent messengers a third time, and they prophesied also. And he, Saul, went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Shiku, and he asked, "Uh, where's David and Samuel? I'm sorry, where's Samuel and David? And one of them said, behold, they be at Naoth in Ramah. And he went thither to Naoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also, and he went in and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And verse 24, if it hasn't been weird enough now, it gets really weird now. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and laid down naked all that day and that night. Wherefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? I don't know what that is, but that's weird. And David has to be going, why is this happening? Right? David fled from Naoth and Ramah. Chapter 20, we're getting to 23, I'll get there. And David fled from Naoth to Ramah and he said before Jonathan, Jonathan, his absolute tightest human companion on earth, Jonathan, why is your dad doing this to me? What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? I don't think he's complaining here. I think he's just going, Jonathan, you know this guy, he's your dad. Why? Why is this going on? And does he get an answer? No. And he said unto him, God forbid that thou shalt die. Behold, my father will do nothing, neither great or small, that he will show it to me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Guess what? David, I'm sorry, Saul and Jonathan, they talked over everything. Saul and Jonathan were tied. It's his firstborn. It's the next heir to the throne. They shared all this information, great or small. That's why I think that that clearly Jonathan had a huge influence on Saul because Jonathan kept Saul up to speed on a lot of stuff. And Jonathan knew on his psychopath days when he's carrying the spear with a red tip forward, you can go in with the green tips forward, you can't. I think Jonathan knew all of that stuff. 
By the way, David said in verse 3, swear moreover, he said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he said, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth and as the soul liveth, there be but a step between me and death. David knew how close all of this was. David's catching on to the gravity of all of this. And he says it right there. And then Jonathan says unto David in verse 4, Whatsoever thou soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. Man, if he wasn't all in, he's doubled down on all in now. Whatever you want, David, I know you the man. And I'm on your side. And I'll lie to the king. I don't know what he said, but that is a huge statement. Then Jonathan said unto David, and then, and then David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow's a new moon. So here we go. We're in chapter 20. This is a long chapter. I'm not going to go through all of it. But now they're going to have a new feast and a new moon. And Jonathan and David come up with a plan because they have to go back to the king's place on this day. And he's got a chair and he's got to be in his chair. And if he's not there, Saul's going to wonder and it's going to go boom. So Jonathan and David come up with a plan on what are we going to do about this when Saul sees tomorrow that we're not at the meal. And Jonathan and David come up with a plan to do this, do this, go here, take that, do thing of your own personal belongings. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, when you come back, I'm going to talk to King, and we're going to do this, and then I'm going to meet you out in the field on this day, and we're going to talk about it out there. And I'm going to bring a kid with me, and I'm going to pretend I'm playing bows and arrows, and if this happens, I'm going to say this, and if this happens, I'm going to say that. So you'll know in a couple of days when this happens, we're going to be out there. Just meet us out there. That's the short version of the rest of chapter 20. Saul learns about this. Chapter 20. Verse 31, chapter 20, verse 31. For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt, by this is way, this is Saul talking to Jonathan after Jonathan has confronted him. No, Saul confronted Jonathan. Jonathan, uh, and Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, verse 30, and he said unto him, thou son, this is a way to refer to your wife. Get a load of this. Verse 30, chapter 20. This is what Saul says about one of his wives. And Saul's anger, and maybe he had more, I don't know. I'm just assuming he did. Maybe he didn't. And Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou art chosen of the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? That sounds pretty rough against your wife. And I don't even know what it means. Verse 31, for as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Remember, Saul's telling him, this ain't yours anymore, as long as this kid's alive. Wherefore now send and fetch him to me, that he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said unto him, wherefore shalt thou he be slain? What has he done? What are you doing this to him for? What has he done? And here it is. And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him whereby Jonathan knew that he was determined of the father to slay David. If there was ever... Red tip was forward that day, buddy. Hucked it at Jonathan. Then the rest of the things happens. Jonathan shot... Or, or David... Or, or, or um, Jonathan shot the arrows and went beyond him. He used to go, go beyond you. Read this. It's, it's fun. Read this. But it's now absolutely clearly evident to everybody. They've done everything to, to pacify Saul. And here it comes. And as soon as the lad was gone, he was the lad that Jonathan took out here to pick up his arrows. And the lad left, and Jonathan's hang, or David's hanging out in the field. It's him and John. It's him. It's Jonathan and David. The lad's gone back into town. They give it a little time, and then they meet up. So David and Jonathan meet up in this field. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of the place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept with one another until David exceeded 
And in verse 42, and Jonathan said to David, go in peace for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord saying the Lord in the Lord, I'm sorry, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord saying the Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. It's like they both realize this ain't going to work. The Lord's between my seed and your seed. There's no reconciliation. That's that's not between Jonathan and David. It's between the lineage of what's happening here. This is when it's triple confirmed that this is this deal is done. We got to move forward now. They're still friends. They're still buds. We're going to find out that in a bit. And David went to Nob and in verse chapter twenty-one. And David David and then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid of the meeting of David. And he said to them, Why art thou alone when, and no man with thee? Ahimelech knows. Ahimelech knows. This is David. Why are you here by yourself? David's running from Saul. He can't tell Ahimelech. He knows he can't tell him. So David lies to Ahimelech. What does he say? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, let no man know anything about the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servant to do such and such a place. So that's what David said to Himelech. David lied to him. I'm not going to, he had to do something, but that's what, I don't know if he had to do something. That's what happened. I don't know why, but that's what happened. So David asks for some food and there's no common Fred because it was a particular time that was going on. So the priest in verse six, so the priest gave him hallowed bread. Okay, expect this up just a little bit. He he escapes. He's run. He's on the run again. He runs out to this place called Nob, where the priests are. Later on, we're going to find out it's the something of the city of the priests. I think they call it the city of the priests. We're going to see that in a minute. And he's at Nob, where the chief priest is. He goes into the chief priest at Nob, and I'm hungry. Give me some food. Okay, I don't have any of that bread or this bread. I have some show bread that I'll give you. Thank you, Mike. I have some showbread that I'll give you. And uh, I'll take it. So he takes the showbread. And uh, you got anything else? Uh, I need, I need, you got a sword or something? I've got Goliath's sword. No kidding. That's what Elimelech says. And the priest gave him hallowed bread for there was no bread. Verse 6. And the priest gave him hallowed bread because there was no bread in the, but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread on the day when it was taken away. I don't know what that means. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day. A certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord and his name was Doeg and Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belongeth to Saul. So guess who happened to be there? This guy named Doeg. If I happen to say Doug when I read this in the future, it's because that's the way I taught it in the teens ten years ago. I called him Doug because it made, it fit the, I called him Doug. <clears throat> But it's Doeg, the chiefest of the herdmen. And David said unto Himelech, And is there not a, uh, a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Yeah, that part's partly true. Yeah, i got to get out of here. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, who thou slewest in the valley of Elah. Behold, it's there wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. And if you'll take that, take it. There's no other stave here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. And David arose and fled out of the fear of Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath went to Achish, the king of Gath. So the king's name is Achish. They're in a town called Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Even they in Gath knew who David was. 
I don't know where Gath is. And they said, did they not sing one to another of him in his dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, David slain his ten thousands, I know it doesn't fit in English. And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of the Achish, Achish the king of Gath. So something happened in this little sing-songy thing. David's there, and he realizes the gig is up. I probably shouldn't have come here. I made that part up. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate. What does scrabbling on the doors of the gate mean? From the back row. Thank you, Amy. She's still looking at her Bible, doing this with her hands. She's reading ahead. She wants to get to the good part. And he did. It's crawling or scratching with all four appendages, according to Webster in 1828. And that's good enough for me scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down in his beard. He was drooling and scratching at the gate. And the king of Achish said, I don't think so. <laughs> Off with this dude. Because what does he say? Then Achish said unto his servants, Lo, ye see this man that is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? What? Have I need of a madman? No, I don't think so. That ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Okay, I'm not going to get into that. Shall this fellow come into my house? It's like, I'm going to put this out there, but you guys don't need an answer to that question because they don't. And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulem. Okay. David is at a crossroads. He doesn't know why any of this is happening. Verse 20, chapter 22. Therefore David departed thence and escaped to the cave at Adullam. How many caves were there? Was this a fancy one? How come they referred to it the cave. I don't know, but it's interesting. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. So guess what? He's escaped. Psychopath with a spear. All of these things have happened to David. He's on the run. He doesn't even know why. He's begging Jonathan. Jonathan tries. He intercedes on on Saul's behalf a couple of times. It's not working out. And they finally realize he's got a split. He can't be around anymore. My seed and I seed, right? We're separated. Here we go. They get down to Adullam, and this is where the whole thing changes, right here, at the cave in Adullam. His brethren show up, his family shows up, and said, <clears throat> come down thither and look at verse 2. I want you, to, as I read verse 2, I want you to think of the type of man and men that he's describing in verse 2. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were about with him four hundred men. Remember I said, you'd be free in your town, what would he said, and you'll be free in Israel, right? You, you, you beat, you get the girl, you get the money, and you're free in Israel, right? These men weren't free in Israel, and they're a little hot. They owe stuff they can't pay. They're discontented. I know what that means. And they're in distress. Come on. These guys are cons. They're criminals. These guys are just bad dudes. And now they got a guy. I'll follow that guy. He can hack off a Philistine around me anytime. I'm in with this guy. And these guys are in. They got nothing to lose. They've left their family. They probably don't have a family. They might have been disowned. I don't know. They're discontented, distressed, and in debt. And I didn't alliterate that. It's here for us. 
And David went hence. So now he's got to clean up some business here. And he then, and David went hence to Mizpah of Moab and under the king of Moab. He went to the king of Moab and said, let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. Guess what? I think that the family, the house of Jesse had been freed, right? In Israel, I think this, I don't know, I can be convinced otherwise, but I think his family's free. David knows what's going to happen to his family. This is communist China, right? He can go do whatever he wants to his family. So David goes to the other king over here and says, can you cover me on this? He says, we're good. That's the version that I just said. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while David was in the hold. And the prophet of God, Gad, a prophet of Gad, and the prophet Gad, sorry, and the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart, and get thee out of the land of Judah. And David departed, and he came to the forest of Hereth. So, he was hiding out in this place in a hold. I don't know what that is. And he, but he was there and he departed and he came to the force of Hareth. When Saul heard that David, dis, and when Saul heard that David was discovered and when the men were with him, uh oh. Uh oh. Do you think Saul knew about this rebellion before it happened? He knew there were people discontented. And now David's got those discontented people on his side. And Saul doesn't like this. And I'll tell you why he doesn't like this. Because he brings it up right now and tells you why he doesn't like this. And when Saul heard that David was discovered and the men were, that the men were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, that's where Samuel was at, having his spear in his hand and all of his servants were standing about him. Somebody comes to Saul and says, hey buddy, I want to tell you something. You know that rebellion we had down over there in, what town was that? Abdullah, Abdullam, remember that? Guess what? He's got a yard of 400 dude, bad dudes. Oh. And Saul said unto his servants, after he just heard this, Hear now, ye Benjamites. Where was, uh, I don't want to go there. Will the son of Jesse, they won't even refer to him as David. Will the son of Jesse give you everyone fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? implying that I'll do that for you. David can't do that for you. That all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me any of the, showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son with Jesse, and that there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait at this day. What about it, guys? What about it, standing there with a spear? I'll bet there wasn't a single clinking of armor. It was so quiet. He confronted his own men. And remember a couple of chapters ago? Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse down at Nob hanging out with Amalek, the son of Ahitab. That's what I saw. He was down there. Really? And he said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. And the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of the Ahitub. So then the, then, then the king, then Saul sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came all to the king. All right. So Saul learns this. He says, get that in, get Halimelech up here. The whole tribe, get him up here. So he gets up there, and Saul said to him, why has thou conspired against me? He said this to the, the chief priest, why have thou conspired against me, thou son of Jesse? And, and thou hast given him bread and a sword and inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me and lie in wait as to this day? 
You haven't told me about it until today? And Himalaya censored and said, hey, king, uh, uh, that's not true. That's not the way it happened. I'm telling you. And he said, and who is so faithful among the servants as David? He says, what are you talking about? This is David. David lied to him. Ahimelech believed the lie that David said that the king was up there on business. I can't tell you what it's about. So the king, so Ahimelech's in the spot going, oh, tell us these people are going to know David. I mean, now Ahimelech's in a bad spot. He's in a bad spot. Does he come clean to the king? Does he come, what's he do? He's got a spear in his hand, red point forward. The red and green thing is my uh, uh, embellishment there, by the way. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor all the house of my father. For thy servants knew nothing of all of this, less or more. I told you everything I know. That didn't happen. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Helen, like thou and thy father's son. Tough. You're going to die anyway. What a psychopath. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord. Right then, kill them all. Behold, our hand is also with David. And because they knew when he fled, did not show me, but the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Psychopath, Ahimelech, who are they believing? They all saw this. They're all witnessing this conversation. Uh, do I kill him? Do I? These are the priests. I'm not killing them. And guess what? One guy didn't step forward to do it. Not one guy. They all held their ground. One guy did. And the king said to Doug, Turn thou and fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear the linen ephod. You think that's bad? Slicing up 85 priests? Guess what happened after that? Psychopath. And one of the sons of Himelech, I'm sorry, and Nob, this one, and Nob, the city of priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men, women, children, sucklings, oxen, acid, sheep, with the edge of the sword. They went and wiped that town off the map, killed everything, dogs and all. That's horrible. Over a lie. That's the psychopath that Saul was. And one of the sons of Ahimelech named Abiathar escaped and fled to David. And Abiathar showed David and Saul had slain the priests. And David said to Abiathar, I knew at that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasion, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of my father's house. Do you realize that? David knew that because he went and saw Ahimelech that day, Doug tattled on him. And David now takes on that grief that because of me, 85 priests were killed. And all the people of that town, which was Nob, were killed. That's just on David. And they told, now, verse 23, we're at the end, right? Told you to get to the end. Verse 23, chapter 23. And David, and they told David, now some time went by, I don't know how much time. And they told David, saying, behold, the Philistines fight, and I'm going to say Kila, because it sounds good. It's probably Kila, I'm going to say Kila. And behold, the Philistines, they're back in the picture now. Okay, David's on the run. He went through all of that at the palace. Jonathan says, you really got to go. And he goes. And he escapes to the first place, and he escapes to the second place. He ends up at Nob. Nob gets slaughtered because he was there. Saul's still on the run for him. Oh, he's got his men with him. And they decide, and they hear that the Philistines have come upon Kila. David is a man of war. 
The Bible describes him as that. And behold, the Philistines fight against Kila, and they rob the threshing floors. When you rob someone, the people are there. When you steal from someone, they're not. So the people are there watching the Philistines take their stuff. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. Has David inquired of the Lord publicly like that and prayed out loud in any of the past five chapters? I don't remember reading it. David inquired of the Lord. Now, he may have acquired of the Lord before, but we don't have record of it. I'll say that. And David inquired of the Lord saying, quote, shall I go and smite these Philistines? Simple question. David asks the Lord, shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord answered unto David, or the, and the Lord said to David, go and smite the Philistines and save Kyla. That couldn't be any clearer if it was written in any language. He asks God, do I go to Kyla and smite the Philistines? And God says, go to Kyla, smite the Philistines and save Kyla. And David said unto his men, and David's men said unto him, Behold, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we come to Kila against the armies of the Philistines? So these 400 guys with him going, Okay, David, these are the Philistines, you know. And we don't have all our gear with us. And you want us to go up there and fight these Philistines. So what does David do? I think he did this in front of them. He says this in verse 4. Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So not only is he supposed to go, and not only is he going to smite him, and not only is he going to save Kilah, but God is going to deliver them into their hand. So not only do they have to go and do it on their own, God's going to help them in the actual battle. Can you imagine the charge that David must have given standing there holding up the sword of Goliath in front of those 400 men? I want to, I would love to have heard that. I don't think David said, oh, let me get my little sling in my pocket and come on with me, guys. I'm just a fifth grader. No. And David inquired of the Lord. And David and his men went to Kyla and fought with the Philistines and brought away... and. Verse 5, so David and his men went to Kyla and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Kyla. He did what he was supposed to do, and he went down there and it worked. Just like the plan said. <clears throat> Remember the kid, the Abiathar? He was the priest's, the, the priest's son from over in Nob. He escaped. I didn't read that part because I, I went over it. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Kilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Kilah. So now Saul's finding out that David's over in Kilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called on the people to go to the war, to go down to Kilah to besiege David and his men. And then David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. And da then said David... O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard. So he's speaking in the third party about himself. David says, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kilah to destroy the city for my sake. David remembered that Nob got destroyed because of him. And David's really concerned, like, oh my goodness, this is going to happen again. 
right? Is Saul going to come in and pillage this town because I came in and saved him? And so now you can imagine that, oh my goodness, God, you told me to do this. And now Saul's going to do that to them just like they did all those priests over at Nob. And you can imagine that he's thinking that because that's what he says. Saul seeketh to come Kyle and destroy the city for my sake. And then he prays, and then he, this is in his prayer, verse 11. Will the men of Kyla deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down with thy, as, will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant the gravity of this prayer, the heaviness of like, oh my word. This is going to happen again. God sent me over here to do this. I, I did what I was supposed to do, God. Are, are you serious? Is this, is this real? And the Lord God said, He will come down. I, I can't imagine that moment. You're on the run from the king. You've been doing everything you're right. Everybody knows you're doing it right. You haven't found any fault, big fault that David's... No, he's just doing what he can do in the moment. He went and slaughtered some more Philistines for the Lord and saved a town called Kila. And then he asks God, is Saul going to come down? And the Lord said, he will come down. Ah... Uh, well, he only answered half of my question. Maybe I'll ask God another one. He, he didn't answer both halves of my question. Then David said, Will the men of Kila deliver me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. I don't get it. Why did that happen? God told him to go do that for nothing. Right? I'm going to risk all these men and me to go kill a bunch of Philistines for what? I mean, he could say that. And in my mind, I read this the first time uh, with a purpose uh, uh, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, and I went, that really happened. Not that it didn't happen, but it just hit me. David did exactly what he was supposed to do. He asked God. God said, yes, yes, and yes to all three questions. Okay, he went and did it. And it happened. Yes, yes, and yes. And then what happens? Uh, yeah, Saul's going to come. Yeah, these men that you just saved are going to hold on to you, keep the gates closed, or however they're going to do it, and they're going to deliver you up to Saul. Then David and his men which were about 600. Where did these 200 guys come from? I don't know, but they came. Arose and departed out of Kylan, went whithersoever they could. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Kylan, and he forbear to go. And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not him in his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David went to the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. 
And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee. Thou shalt be the king over Israel, and I shall be the next unto thee. And that Saul, and that also Saul my father knoweth. And the two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood. Jonathan went to his house. Do you know why he had to go to Kilah and do that? I don't know either. It's the end of the story. This isn't a Disney movie. This isn't a Hallmark movie. This isn't your funny rom-com on TV where boy meets girl and it's all great and it's funny. This is the anticlimactic ending. We don't know why. You know what? You don't get to know why. You know what happens in your life? Some stuff goes wrong? You don't get to know. I don't know. Why is pastor in ill health? I don't know. No disrespect, sir. I mean that. I don't know. He doesn't know. Or maybe he does. And maybe he's not obligated to tell us. But when you pound your fist and say, why, Lord, why? He's under no obligation to answer that question. He can, and he will, and sometimes he does. I've been one step away from death in my life. And when I didn't die that day, I didn't ask God why. I just said, thank you. And I trekked back across the face of North Sisters in Southern Oregon on a solo climb. And I got my crampons back off. And I got in dirt and got off the ice. I literally hugged a rock and thanked God I was alive. You don't get to know why. I don't know why I'm alive. I am. Thank you. You don't get to know why all the time. David didn't get to know why. Why didn't he get Mirab? I don't know. Why did he have to witness and take on the death of the town of Nob? I don't know. I don't know. This is the anticlimactic ending that I wanted to get to. You don't get to know, folks. You just got to take it. Yeah. And you got to be grateful for what you have. I don't know why Vet's knee's all blown up. I don't know. Sorry, you got to take it. I don't know why I don't have any hair. I got to take it. I don't know. Mike said something about how come I look like I turned out this way this morning. I don't know. Guess what? A little tough love. Tough. Life's tough. To quote John Wayne, life's tough. It's tougher when you're stupid. So read this and be less stupid. Okay? I I don't know what to tell you, guys. Sometimes God will tell you. Sometimes He won't. Sometimes it appears in the Word. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. But we're alive. We get to serve the Lord. We have fellowship in this room. Enjoy this. Enjoy what you can. Commune with God. Maybe He'll reveal this to you. Maybe he won't. He knows the outcome. He knows what's going to happen to Pastor. He knows. That outcome is written. That story is written. We just need to get on board with it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this very detailed description of David's life. Thank you for giving him us and this example. I pray that we would just heed your word 
search you and, and find comfort in your answer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.